God Conversations with Tanya Harris. So, let me ask you that question. What does God tell me? <laughs> well, you know, thunder, lightning. <laughs> Mother Teresa, someone asked her, when does God speak to you? And she said, whenever he wants. So essentially, the, the Bible is a, a collection of God Conversations, if you like. I had a vision of a car accident, and I'm sitting on the couch thinking, why have I just seen this? How could I know if God was speaking to me? How could I know that that or that thought was actually just me thinking about, oh, that's that's a bad pizza. Jesus said we'd recognise his voice. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation. Sometimes our God conversations are dramatic and life-changing. Other times, God speaks in small, everyday things. On today's podcast, you'll hear one of the most incredible God conversations I've ever heard. But we'll also talk about hearing God in the smaller things of life and how we can build our relationship with God step by step by the Holy Spirit. Hi, and welcome to the God Conversations podcast. My name is Tanya Harris, and I'm a pastor, practical theologian, author, and the founding director of God Conversations, a ministry that equips you to recognise and respond to God's voice. Well, our guest today and her husband served as church leaders in the UK up until 2009 when they followed God's call and moved their two children to Uganda. There they started a ministry called Every Life for those living in the slums of Kampala. Since then, Every Life has grown into a team of over 50 men and women working with Jesus in communities to see lasting change. The couple have now relocated back to the UK with their family, where they work to oversee the mission bases all around the world. So today, a very special guest is with us, coming to you live from the New Wine Festival in England. Welcome to the show, Nicola Neal. Thank you for having me. (laughs) It's so great to have you and to see you again, Nicola. Her other claim to fame, which I haven't mentioned yet, is that she features in my new book, The Church Who Hears God's Voice. If you haven't read it yet, her story is told midway through the book. It's an amazing story. I've already had feedback from the story itself by people who have been impacted by it. But Nicola, um, I think as a woman and as a pastor, as a leader, I met her two and a half years ago and was so impressed by her spirit and also by her love and knowledge and wisdom that's come from knowing the Holy Spirit and worshipping and following the call of God on her life. So Nicola, I've done too much talking already. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, so... um... I am married to the wonderful Simon. As you've already said, I have two children and we spent many years, the first sort of half of our marriage, living in the beautiful city of Bath, where we ran a church there. Fairly large, kind of big conference-based church. We loved that. We loved our family community there. We loved our church and we thought we were there to stay. Um, And then in 2009, the Lord broke into our world in in a whole different new way and began to speak to us about giving the rest of our lives to serving the poor, particularly on the continent of Africa. So, yeah, that's how our ministry, Every Life, began out of that season of our life. So I kind of look at my life in in two parts before that sort of season of, of the Lord speaking mm. and breaking in so mm. dramatically, really, and after. 
Yeah. Because it, it changed everything. And you had a beautiful ministry in Bath, didn't you, mm. before you went overseas as well. So really yeah. serving God in a beautiful city yeah. and then radically yeah. interrupted, weren't you? Uh, for those of you who haven't yet read the book, I've asked Nicola to retell the story. I remember hearing it and I was gobsmacked. Um by the impact of it yeah. and it stayed with me because I was just so reflecting on the nature of Holy Spirit to mm. speak but then not just in speaking but changing our hearts yeah. so if yeah. you feel comfortable sharing it again yeah absolutely have to how we got into ministry actually is probably the first part of that story so when I first got married my husband and I were you know just kind of doing the normal Christian life as we understood it then my husband was working in IT and I was a full-time mum we had a child who was just one year old and I was very happy very settled we had a season then back in in it was actually 2000 2001 where the Lord broke in for the first time and that's when I had the dream that's that's documented in the book where it was actually Christmas time and we were, had all of my family to stay and our house wasn't very big. So my husband and I were sleeping on the kitchen floor, which I don't recommend. <laughs> it wasn't fun. <laughs> yeah. And I had a dream, Christmas Eve, I had a dream. And in the dream, I was walking through what I now understand to be a slum I didn't know what it was at the time but through a very poor kind of corridor and mm. I went into a house and I saw my mother now the dream then shifted and took me back to being in a toy shop um, with my brother and we were wandering around and my brother was saying to me you need a Buzz Lightyear I need to buy you a Buzz Lightyear we've got to get you a Buzz Lightyear it was the toy of, of the season anyway. I think it's a real British toy I'm not sure we have yeah. that toy in Australia oh, unless you know what I'm probably out of the loop well maybe because it's linked to a children's movie <laughs> oh, that there was we very go. popular at the time See, so my, uh, my son loves Toy without Story kids. <laughs> yeah and Buzz Lightyear is the star of, of, of the film there we go so, some of you know what she's talking yeah, about yeah some people will know who Buzz Lightyear is to infinity and beyond is his famous saying so my brother was taking around all these different toy shops and saying I've got to get you a Buzz Lightyear and we were going from shop to shop to shop and I kept saying to him I don't need a Buzz Lightyear Anyway, in the end, he got me one and he was so thrilled. And then I was suddenly transported in the dream back into this house in this slum area. And this, my mother, this woman was leaning over me and she was beating me with a stick, with a metal pole. And she was beating me and beating me and beating me. And, and I knew that if I didn't escape, I was going to die. And so I ran out of the house in the dream and I was running through the passageways of the slum and I could feel this pain coming up from my feet and it was so crippling and so so terrible that in the end I stumbled and I fell over and I turned my foot over and my foot was just it was just infested with maggots and worms coming out of the soles of my feet and I heard the footsteps of my mother coming up behind me and I remember screaming out in my dream I didn't need a Buzz Lightyear I just needed a pair of shoes and I woke mm. up and it was Christmas morning and ironically we bought my son the Buzz Lightyear you know and for the whole day as I'm entertaining and cooking dinner my my heart was just it was churning over with emotion in response to this dream and I knew I knew that the Lord was speaking to us very um intentionally and very specifically and that led to a three-month kind of period of the Lord continuing to speak to us through dreams and prophetic words 
that were coming from different places and different people and actually was the beginning of our journey into ministry. On the back of that experience, we felt the Lord ask us to do three things. One was to give up our, my husband had a very, very well-paid job, give up his job in IT, decide to live by faith, trust the Lord for our income and give our lives to serve the poor wherever we would find them. Number two was to adopt a child. We were trying to get pregnant with our second baby and that that child's life was going to be a prophetic sign to a generation of what the Lord was going to do in, in taking a generation out of abandonment and mm. orphanhood and darkness Amazing. and hopelessness and place them into family and life and future and love. And then the third um, was to do with Africa. So we responded to the first two quite quickly, actually, and and we ended up, you know, ministering in this church and, and ministering to the poor in our city. Bath is a beautiful city, but mm. it still has, you know, desperate pockets of poverty. And we did that for almost 10 years. And we tried to push the Africa door many times, but it just never opened. And we were like, well, we prophesy in part, you know, mm. maybe we got it wrong. The mm. first two were right, the second wasn't. Uh, yeah, and and then in in the end of two thousand eight, early two thousand nine, we went through another season of a three month period of the Lord beginning to speak through prophetic words and dreams, and that led to us then moving. I remember you told me that during that season, a lady came up to you mm-hmm. and said, what were her words? She gave you a photograph. She did. She she said to me, I, I, I was speaking at a conference event and she'd seen me and she'd come up to me and we realised we hadn't seen each other for 30 years. Last time we'd seen each other, we were five years old. And we were chatting and catching up and she was just like, "You need what are you doing here? You're supposed to be in Africa. And then she went, oh, why did I say that? That didn't go through my brain. That just came out of my mouth. And then she went, no, you're supposed to be in Uganda. <gasps> Why did I say that? Oh, wow. And I'm like, this is the word of the Lord. Yeah. And so well, we've been praying about Africa for a long time. Anyway, later on, I met her at a motorway services and um, for a coffee. To, we wanted to, you know, keep connected. And, and she came to the Lord has told me to show you this. And she opened up her computer. And on the computer was a photo of a child in Uganda and the child had its foot turned over and there were worms and maggots in the foot. And it was that, it was that moment actually that I was mm. like, oh, it's mm. now. Mm. Because, you know, that it had been almost 10 years since that dream, but that dream has never left me. Yeah. Um, it definitely yeah. hasn't up to that point. It still hasn't yeah. today. Yeah. yeah. So impacting, isn't it? Mm. A little journey into the heart of God yeah. and into the heart of um, the people that God came to mm. defend and lift up. Good yeah. news for the poor, yeah. isn't it? I think hearing that story for the first time, uh, I was so impacted and I could, I, could, I could hear and see how it touched you mm. and then motivated you mm. and changed mm. you to interaction, really. Yeah. And I think sometimes we approach, you know, I want to hear God's voice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to know what's the future about. I want to yeah. have this piece of information. Will I get this job? Should I buy this house? Mm. Or whatever it might be. Mm. But I think the difference hearing that story is just the way that the Holy Spirit changed your heart through that revelation. Yeah. yeah. Such a profound yeah. experience, it, 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 isn't it? It changed our lives. Yeah. So you went to... Um, Uganda. Yep. And how did you feel going? So you've had this profound spiritual experience. You know, you write these things down in your journal and then you face all the realities of selling your home, packing everything up. How did that feel for you? 
it was a wild ride. We we had three months, as I said, again, of the Lord speaking, beginning with that girl, you know, show me the photograph of the child with the worms in her feet. But it carried on. And we just had word after word after word. And so we did exactly what you said. We wrote it all down. And we led this church in Bath with another guy, amazing guy. And we went to him in the December of 2008 and said, we think the Lord is speaking very clearly to us about going to Africa, to Uganda. But we'd never been to the continent of Africa. Mm. I'd never set foot on the continent. I had no idea what Africa was like, apart from what I'd seen on the Oxfam advert or the BBC documentary or whatever. Um, so I said to him, would you allow us to go for two weeks on a missions trip? Because that made sense to me. You know, you go and you try it out. And he sat there very quietly. And then he just looked me straight in the eye and he said, Nicola, this is Jesus. But you'll learn nothing in two weeks. I think you should just move there. And we were like, what? Like, <laughs> Sorry for you to say that. <laughs> I have a house, a mortgage, two children. They're in school. We lead the church. We have this community. We loved our city. But there was something about it. I thought, I can't dismiss that. He was actually heading out to Uganda later that day because our, our church had a connection with a gentleman there. And so he said, I remember him saying, I'm leaving for Heathrow in an hour. So that's how long you have to make your decision. If, if you are up for just moving there tomorrow, when I get to Kampala, I'm going to get you a house. And I, I just, I was like, this is just crazy. And I'm fairly spontaneous as a person and I love adventure and I love change, but my husband is the oh, absolute yeah, I can opposite of that. And we went, we went for a coffee, we went to Starbucks and we sat in Starbucks and my husband, Simon, he did not say a word. And I thought I'm safe. There's no <laughs> way he's going to agree to this, you know? And then half an hour in, he just, he put his cup down. He said, baby, this is Jesus. And we actually moved eight weeks later. So that was then a very quick transition of having to tell our families, our church, all of our friends, we're leaving, um, packing up our home. The Lord said, pack up your home, give all of your belongings away. You're not coming back here. So that's what we did. It was a whirlwind. I didn't really have time to think about mm. what would happen when I got there. Mm. Um, and, then, and then we flew. And the, the day that we left, I, it was quite an overwhelming day for me. I remember going through, you know, saying goodbye to our family at the airport and, you know, dragging the children away from their grandparents and everybody's sobbing. It's hugely emotional. We have no idea when we're coming back. We don't even know what we're flying to. We go through security and, you know, when you've got kids in security, it's all a nightmare. Got to our gate and I could see the plane. And, and that was when the reality, I think, hit me hard of what are you doing as a mother, as a wife, as a woman, like, what are you doing? Like, this is crazy. And, and I was I was overwhelmed. But the Lord was, was very, very kind. And so we just got on the plane. We just got on the plane. My husband and I have a little phrase that we repeat to each other often. He's good, he's faithful, and he's trustworthy. Mm. And I remember sitting at the airport gate just saying it out loud over, he's good, he's faithful, he's mm. trustworthy, he's good, yeah. he's safe. You know, yeah. he'll look after us. And the first few months of being there were were wild. We knew no one where the house was that we had was in the middle of an African village on the outside of Kampala. There were no other Westerners for miles around. We had no one to show us how to do anything. We didn't speak the local language. I mean, we were literally, you know, 101 how not to do mission. Um, 
And so we just, we put our kids in the local African school. We spent every day walking the community and just try to immerse ourselves in it and wait for the Lord to show us what it was that he was taking us there to do. Because at that point we had no idea. <laughs> there was no manual for this, right? No manual for this. Oh, don't you, maybe we should call this um, podcast The Craziness of the Holy Spirit. Because <laughs> <Yes. laughs> I think that when God speaks so clearly uh, for to, to do something so crazy, yeah. you need that, don't you? Because there's yeah. the human side of it. There's Absolutely. the reality and the impossibility of it. Yeah. And sometimes I think we listen to those, you know, God conversations and, wow, that's just so clear and mm. so wonderful. Mm. But then as we follow them, we have to believe also in the supernatural activity Definitely. that follows the word. Yeah. You know, God watches over his word to yeah. perform it yeah. and to see those children looked after yeah. in a supernatural way. Yeah. We're listening today to the wonderful CEO of Every Life International, a charity led by Nicola Neal, based out of the UK. It works throughout Africa and probably beyond, um, sharing a little bit of her story, her God conversation and the calling that God has for her life. We'll be back in just a moment. Did you know that dreams and visions are the most common way God spoke in biblical history? And God still speaks in this powerful and creative way today. Of course, not every dream is from God. So how do we know when it is? And how do we understand the strange scenes that appear in our dreams? The globally renowned God Dreams online course answers these questions and more. It includes six teaching videos, a downloadable study guide and interaction with the God Conversations team. We've kept the price super low to make it accessible to everyone. Be equipped to hear God's voice in dreams and visions. Register today at godconversations.com forward slash courses. Back on God Conversations with Tani Harris and here having a wonderful conversation with Nicola Neal. Nicola, you've talked with us about your story or God Conversation that led you into the slums of Africa. I have to ask, <laughs> you can't really sum it up in five minutes, but what happened next? What unfolded for you when you arrived in Africa with your family? Yeah, so we, we spent the first few weeks just working out how to live life there. You know, how do you how do you barter for things? How do you get water? How do you, you know, what, how do you cook when there's no gas or electricity? We, we just had to work things out. And then we started to move around the community and get to know some people. And, and I we became friends with a, a lovely guy in our village called Amos. And I started going to walk the community with him every day and just, you know, get to know the area and, and pray with people. One day we bumped into a family and the little girl was very, very sick from this family. And, and I was profoundly impacted by it, actually. It, it just broke my heart. And as we were walking away from that conversation, I just couldn't stop the tears. Mm. And he turned to me and he was like, oh, Nicola, you're just a nightmare. If you weep over that, you'd never survive in a slum. And I was so naive, Tanya. I was like, there's no slums around here. And I saw, yes, there is. There's one five minutes from your front door. And I said to him, then you need to take me there. And he said, no, you, you can't. You can't do that. It's, it's, they'll kill you. It's not safe. And I said, no, I really want you to take me there. And he said, you're not listening to me. So I said, no, you're not listening to me. I want you to take me in. And he said, but if you're sure and you understand the risks, I'll take you tomorrow. I said, sure. So the next day, and this is so interesting to me, the next day we went 
And it was for me the first time that I had ever seen extreme poverty face to face. But it was also the first time that I really understood the dream that I'd had all those years before. Because suddenly I was walking through a passageway in an alleyway, which was which identical to the one that I'd seen wow. in the dream when I was running away from my mother, you know, and I had the worms wow. in my feet. And I thought, oh, it was a slum. Mm. It was a key in that dream for where God was taking us. And I remember walking through the passageways and, you know, just the overwhelming um, devastation that poverty in those places bring, crime, addiction, prostitution, violence, death, sickness, disease, you know, all of it just everywhere, the chaos and the sound. And walking through it, recognising it from my dream, and then hearing the Lord speak again very clearly and just say, this, this is where I've called you to love and serve. And so that's how our ministry began. Mm-hmm. We had nothing, so we just went in. We had no money, no resources, no team. So we just went in every day, me, my husband and our children, and just loved the communities in whatever practical way we could. We helped yeah. clean, bathe people who were sick, hold babies that were, you know, that were, that were dying, doing whatever we could do just to be the hands and feet of Jesus and, and the ministry grew from there. Yeah. yeah. In my book, I talk about um, Nicola's story in light of how do we know it's God? Mm-hmm. And um, the Holy Spirit is the continuing voice of Jesus so that we can participate in yeah. Jesus's ongoing ministry and mission. Mm-hmm. And when I hear your story, when I hear about some of the things that God is doing in that place, it just demonstrates so beautifully what we can expect when we hear God's voice. I could ask, how does Holy Spirit speak to you these days? What is it like for you now, now that you've established that ministry there? How is God continuing to minister through you in that place? I mean, that's that's an interesting, it's quite a big question. I would say that my personal experience of how God speaks is that sometimes, in occasion, there's points in our lives where he speaks as dramatically as he did mm. through the dream, through, you know, this three months of prophetic words. But most of the time it's through the small and it's through the quiet and mm. it's through the everyday. As we began to continue to grow our ministry, a lot of the time it felt like we were just following a whisper. You know, that sense of knowing on the inside of it feels right to go to... Someone ran a a marathon for us. We had no money and they raised £150. And I remember just thinking, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could buy a pair of shoes for every child in the community? And then I'm like, oh, I think that might be Jesus. And just leaning into the whisper and going, well, let's try it out. And, I mean, it was extraordinary. £150 was just the right amount of money to buy a pair of shoes for every child in the community. So, you know, and so, they probably weren't Nike shoes, were they? No, they were. They were very small. It was about 50p a pair from oh, the local market. That. But it, it, was, it was beautiful. And, and, and it, Oh, that must have... It was so fun. I mean, I would it have been bawling so my eyes funny. out, I think, in that moment. Yeah, I, I don't a, need a Buzz Lightyear. I need a pair, pair of, pair of shoes. shoes. I know. And isn't it interesting that that's the very first thing that we did? Yeah. The very first thing we did was we put shoes on yeah. feet and it launched our soul project, as we called it at the time. We don't run it anymore. But I found that fascinating. I just needed a pair of shoes. And the Lord always joins up the dots. He always joins up the dots. So I feel like we've learned how to, or we're still learning actually, how to lean into the whisper and, and follow that instinctive voice on the inside of our that often is actually the voice of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And just try to be obedient in following it and take risks. 
Yeah, being courageous enough. Yeah, to courageous, follow, isn't it? And creative. Yeah, and understanding that he's he is creative. He is creator, and so he's speaking in creative ways mm. all of the time. He's always doing something new, and we just have to work out how we tune into that and then follow him in that. And so, you know, let's let's create a, a whole project around putting shoes on children's feet who are stepping on razor blades every day because there's, you know, they don't have any money for that. Yeah. And and the Lord begins to create something through it. And so, yeah, that's that's the challenge and that's the joy and that's the adventure. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Any advice for someone who would like to hear more God, God more clearly that listens to your story and thinks, wow, yeah, how do I access that kind of clarity in my own yeah. life? I think it takes time and it takes intentionality. And as with any relationship, we have to learn how to hear each other and understand each other when we talk. So you and I can have a conversation Mm. and we can kind of understand each other. But as we get to know each other better, we instinctively know what we're talking about. It shifts, doesn't it? In In a maturing of a relationship, the communication deepens too and our understanding deepens it's the same with jesus Mm. for me i say to people if you want to hear his voice just hang out with him yeah he's got lots to say he's always talking it's not you know how some people say i think jesus is trying to say something i'm gonna say he's never trying to say anything (laughs) he's saying something we're trying to hear him that's good um and so the more time we spend with him the more we recognize his voice and we know his voice and we instinctively understand when he's speaking and so it starts in the small and it starts in the everyday and it starts in being obedient to the little whisper of I wonder if Jesus just said I'll give it a go yeah and then seeing oh yeah that was the Lord and then we grow in confidence in that and so the small things become the bigger things and then we can go he's told us to move to the other side of the world we can do it (laughs) yeah well Nicola I um, deeply respect yours and Simon's journey and all that you've done and just see the hand of God all over it Um, I wonder if anyone who's listening is inspired by your story perhaps would like to know a little bit more about every life and what you're doing how do they get in contact with you We have a website which you can visit, which is um, everylife.org.uk. On there is lots of information about what we do, how we do it, why we do it that way, and also loads of stories about Mm. what God is doing amongst the poor. So, yeah, people can... Go on there and check us out. Nicola's also written a couple of books, which I have read. So get a hold of those as well, because she has uh, an amazing depth of wisdom and experience with God. And God is doing something amazing through their ministry. And we can all learn from it. It's been so fabulous to have you. We've been at this festival and Nicola has spoken this morning and um, it's been a big day. So so thankful for you to come and give your time on the podcast today. Bless you, Thanks for listening to God Conversations with Tanya Harris. Don't miss the next episode by subscribing to the show on your favorite podcast app. And remember, the Holy Spirit was given so we could all hear God's voice. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation.